Previously on Myth Tarot Love, we examined the Eight of Wands and Cupid's Arrows. Today's show will focus on the Nine of Wands and the 300 Spartans at Thermopylae. Myth and Tarot Where do the ideas go? Let's talk about stories, wands, and symbols and all of the above. Welcome to Myth Tarot Love, a show about ancient stories, new age wisdom. I am Biddy, your resident classicist. And I'm Rose, your resident tarot practitioner. <laughs> you threw me off. I know. You threw me <laughs> off with your new title. I forgot I title. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to change it. And then I'm like, I didn't tell you. <laughs> I was like, oh. oh. I, I, I was expecting something else. Anyway. Hi. Hi. <laughs> good, to, good to talk with all of you this week. Uh, as we discuss the Nine of Wands, mm-hmm. we are nearing the end now. So close um, of our tarot deck. Only another six, six more episodes of our original seventy-eight cards. Mm-hmm. And isn't everyone just itching to know what we're going to do next? Mm-hmm. I think they are. <laughs> You'll all find out. Anyways, um, oh. eventually. <laughs> Soon enough. I guess that sounds kind of. Uh, Threatening, ominous? eh? Ominous? <laughs> Not threatening. Ominous is a better word. <laughs> anyway, so let's talk about the Nine of Wands. So, um, first let's describe describe the picture of the Nine of Wands that is uh, depicted in the Rider Waite Smith deck. So, what we have is um, we have this person who's standing in the foreground. And it looks like he's kind of tired. <laughs> he looks a little—he looks a little bit worn and wounded, a little. Maybe a bit wounded. Maybe a little bit like his expression is kind of interesting because it looks almost like hurt, maybe even a little bit betrayed, but uh, worn for sure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but he's standing on very solid, flat ground as well. So he has a very sure footing, and he's leaning on a staff which is one of the nine wands. And the other nine wands are built up as kind of um, almost a barrier behind him. Mm, it looks like a defense almost. Yeah, some yeah. sort of defense or like they're all sticking straight up. They're all sticking in the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost like you could use this as a barrier um, or perhaps a bit of privacy. Mm-hmm. Looks like it'd be nice in a lawn. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a fence. It's like a little a little privacy fence. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then through those branches, what we see as well is a, a mountainous green terrain, uh, as well as a blue sky. So normally, what this what these symbols are are telling us is that um, we've already c- gone through a rather difficult ordeal, right? So normally, when this card appears. It's appearing at the end of a difficult journey, um, the end of a challenging journey, if you will. And normally the person um, who goes through that journey has been successful, but not necessarily unmarred for their troubles, right? Um, So often the person who has gone through this kind of journey um, has definitely seen some stuff, uh, or in a way it's like they've, they're really tired. They're weary after a long journey, right? 
um, and because it, it has been rather difficult. However, um, one of the thing the characteristics of this card as well is that they do not give up no matter what, right? So it's been a difficult journey, but it's almost like the challenge just kind of keeps pushing them on and urging them forward. Um, one of the things I really like that is stated in the uh, American Tarot Association website is the very first sentence and they say inner strength stamina and the will to go on despite impossible odds are at the center of the nine of wands and this definitely is something that we need to keep in mind when this card appears so if this card has appeared it could represent many things it could represent a past or a future state which i think kind of speaks for itself um, if it's showing up as a future state you can definitely expect that the road will not be easy, but um, having a, a a nice inner strength, like if you keep that inner strength and remember what it is that's driving you forward, you will be victorious. Um, if it shows up to represent a person, this is definitely a very driven kind of person. Someone who, um, who likes a challenge and definitely has what we like to call a growth set mentality, where they believe that the challenges are only making them stronger and they're becoming better for the kinds of challenges that they face. Um, and then if this card is appearing as an answer to the seeker's question, which it definitely can, it would it would represent this idea of um, of, of needing to really keep pushing forward, I would say. Um, something else it can represent as well, though, is this idea of, of change. Um, this I so there there is definitely kind of this motion happening to the nine of wands, and we've kind of noticed this with most of the wand cards. Is there's this idea of just keep going, and uh, there's definitely a lot of transitions that happen. As we remember, wands are represented by the fire element, and fire is a very transformative kind of element. It, literally is a chemical reaction <laughs> when we think about fire. Um, things are never quite the same after they've been burned, <laughs> right? Um, and you can't go back. However, there's this idea that um, with the Nine of Wands is that there's, there's a stability in change as well, right? One thing we can always depend on is that things are always changing, right? So, um, when this card appears, sometimes it does signify that there is going to be a, a change, but it's kind of a, a gradual change and this idea that things are always changing and we need to just keep going and keep moving um, and that is what makes us successful. So it's kind of like in the Eight of Wands, we had this really violent, almost storm of a change, right? Um, where we really didn't feel very stable at all and we didn't know where we were going to land. Um, when the Nine of Wands appears, it's got kind of that same idea of, of being transitioning and uh, moving forward. However, it's a lot more stable. There's this idea that change is just the way things are and we, we just have to keep dealing with the, that change and being adaptable, right? And so that's one of the main reasons why the figure who is depicted in the Nine of Wands is standing on such solid, um, stable ground is because uh, even though it looks like they're, you know, obviously in transition and maybe even healing, which is also a very transitory 
state to be in. Um, so I, I mentioned that the figure is healing because he's got bandages on his head, which looks like he's sustained some sort of injury to the head. Um, and that could definitely signify this need to heal as well, right? So the need, the need to heal after a challenging journey. Um, and if you remember, we also talked about how wands sometimes do sig are, are used as a representation of journeys of health as well. So the Nine of Wands, I think, is particularly a good example of, a, of one of our wand cards that specifically often talks about health, right? Mm. So um, in the Nine of Wands card, when it, when it does show up, it talks about this kind of grueling journey and, and um, the difficulty that's involved in it, um, but also this need to keep moving and keep trying, right? And that's one of the things that Personally, I don't know about the listeners who are listening, but in my own personal experience with health, I've definitely noticed that it is the kind of thing that it, there's no permanent state of health, really. No. You're never going to be permanently healthy. Well, your body is never permanently anything ever. Exactly. It's always, it's always changing. changing. It's always, you're, you're always shedding your skin. Yeah. You're always changing all of your cells, actually, yeah. your cells. That's, that's what I was thinking. All the cells yeah. in your body are, are constantly... Um, dividing. <laughs> dividing, yeah. They're constantly um, dying and, and being re like being reborn. They mm -hmm. say something that we change our all, all the cells in our bodies uh, every seven years. Mm -hmm. That's a commonly quoted... Thing, but it's it's a really cool idea too to think about that this idea that our bodies are actually completely different than they were seven years ago. The person you were a decade ago is no longer the person that you are today, um, and we know that that's that is true spiritually, right? Like we we're definitely always growing in a um, like in our mental faculties. We're getting smarter. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> you know, we're getting wiser. We're getting with wiser. Experience. Yeah, maybe maybe not smarter. Maybe we're getting wiser with experience. Um, we're getting, yeah, all these new experiences, all these new memories. Maybe we're losing memories, right? Memories that used to have a great hold on us no longer do. And that is just part of life. And that's kind of this idea that the Nine of Wands is is portraying is that you know, we go through life and sometimes we get battered and bruised, but we also heal from from those batterings, if you will, and we become uh, wiser for it. Not not always stronger for it, because you know, uh, if you if you lose a leg, maybe uh, you're not necessarily as fast of a runner anymore, right? That so you're not necessarily stronger, but in some ways maybe you are going to be stronger. Maybe you have a stronger will and you've learned how to adapt in new ways. So. There's always there's always ways to kind of see a a, um, a positive. I'm going to say to many experiences, many. I'm not going to say all experiences <laughs> because I don't necessarily believe in that uh, that every experience is a, can be a positive one. But um, we can definitely always learn at least from our experiences. Um, yeah. So in the nine of wands, we are beginning to reach the end of the wand suit. And in some ways, it's kind of like the nine of wands is, I would say, um, a very high victory. I'm gonna say it's, it's for me personally, it, it tends to appear as more of a victory card than even the 10 of wands. And we'll talk about that next week. Um, but once you've reached the nine of wands, it's very, there's very much this sense of completion. 
sometimes I, I get the sense that it's like if you're climbing the corporate ladder, right? The nine of wands would be like reaching the CEO position, right? This idea of, um, of having achieved all that you set out to do and it wasn't easy to do. Um, having succeeded in everything you were hoping to succeed, but it didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. <laughs> um, so it's so when this card appears as an obstacle, I think it often does talk a lot more about um, the ways that we didn't expect our journeys to go. Although this card normally does portray the end of a journey, it can also portray the beginning of a new journey. Because as I said, one of the themes of the card is that it is constantly changing and it represents that idea of stability in change. Um, yes, so uh, this card is definitely something that um, can talk a bit about glory as well. Um, that glory, perhaps if you haven't reached it yet, when this card appears, it could say that it's just a little bit further. Just keep going. Um, you are near. You are nearing the end of your journey. All right. So you mentioned that uh, this card is going to be talking about, or it reminded you of the Three Hundred Spartans. Mm -hmm. There's a movie made about that. Mm, there is. <laughs> it's called Three Hundred. <laughs> it's uh, based off of a Frank Miller graphic novel of the same name. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yes. So uh, I I only remember like the. The quote, this is Sparta. Mm -hmm. That's from that movie, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty big meme. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 is, it is a big meme, but it is a great movie. <laughs> I yeah. think anyways. And uh, some of our friends, we it's our holiday tradition around Christmas time to actually watch the first and second one with my commentary in the background. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. I need to watch that with you. I feel like oh, that movie would be so much better with you. <laughs> Sometimes I like watching things with Biddy just because I like seeing Biddy's reactions. <laughs> <laughs> she has very epic reactions to yes. to movies in general, especially when it's reality. Yeah, TV and yeah. Bachelor reality <laughs> reality TV was never was never so entertaining as watching it with Biddy. <laughs> yeah, I like reality TV a little too much, but that's okay. Whatever. Oh, I own it. <laughs> I like exactly. it. It's okay. Um, yeah, so I'm going to talk about, again, the 300 Spartans at Thermopylae today, and I actually also kind of started my notes here with that same line from the American Tarot Association and the Nine of Wands, you know, that inner strength and stamina and the will to go on despite impossible odds yes. is exactly this story. Um, so... Yeah, I don't think I could really describe almost the Spartans better than that. That was that's the best way to <laughs> like do as it. soon as as soon as you read that sentence, you're like, it's got to be like, the Spartans. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's them. Yeah, and I'm so happy because I do really like um, looking at and talking about Spartans and Spartan culture, and I really mm -hmm. haven't been able to do it that much on the podcast. And I mean, I don't have a ton of time today. I mean, I could talk about it for hours and hours. So <laughs> you I could, will. You could probably do a whole course on it. I have taken a whole course on it. <laughs> <laughs> on Sparta, so that's why it's like this. I have to condense it all, um, but we'll talk about again what what relates to the Nine of Wands, and hopefully in the future I'll be able to expand in other avenues as well because their their culture was very um, different from the rest of ancient Greece, but also just very interesting and unique. Were and they part of Greece? Were the Spartans part of Greece? Yeah, 
Oh, I didn't I didn't realize that they were considered like Greeks. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, so well, like so they had what, what they call um, city states. So mm-hmm. Athens was a city state. Sparta was a city state. Corinth, like all these different oh, places. I thought they were states. just at war with the Greeks. I thought it was like no. Greeks versus. I don't really in, know in much about about this history. Oh, <laughs> it, please educate me. I was going to say, like, please educate me, Biddy. How long have we been doing this podcast? I haven't watched the movie in a really long time. I don't even remember the plot. Okay, well, you're you're <laughs> gonna get it here, so it's all good. Um, let's let's just let me get. To all that. I remember is the meme. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so this movie, I said, I'll, I'll go over it a little bit, but I am going to talk more about it from a historical perspective, mm-hmm. um, because, like, there are some inconsistencies that don't, they don't necessarily bother me as much when I watch this movie as compared to others, because I know that it is an adaptation from a graphic novel, so it's not right. meant to be... Exact history. Exactly. And, like, oh, you know... Is it a real story? Okay. Like, is it a true story? Yeah. Oh, so this is something that actually happened. Yeah. That you had, like, 300 sport Spartans I mean, against... I mean, I, I say yes, but it is it, it is a story as well, so... Okay, so oh, it's yeah. been maybe a little bit exaggerated. Definitely over, like, dramat- Dram- drama- dramatized. Yeah. There you go. Dramatized. And, you know, for artistic effect and entertainment yeah. value, not only in this movie and in the graphic novel, but also the primary source that we get it from. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'll, I'll be going over today. And that's actually where Frank Miller got a lot of his information from, too, was um, the ancient historian Herodotus. So I'm not sure if I mentioned him before. Mm. I'll just give a quick background. So he was a Greek who lived um, in the 5th century BCE, and his writings were known as the Histories, cool. which is basically an inquiry into the past and in his attempt to find the source of conflict between the Greeks and the Persians, and basically Greeks and just every, everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also outlines the Persian Wars, which this battle was a part of. So that's why um, he has this account in his writing. Um, so something also to note is that Herodotus had a tendency to over-exaggerate um, <laughs> quite a bit, which we will also see here. Um, you know, he say. So he states that the Persians, with Xerxes as their leader, came to Greece with an army of over, some people say, one million or two million people. That's ridiculous. Which is a lot. Um, Today we estimate that number to be a little closer to 100,000 or 150,000 men. But there was like a million of them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, let's just say it's like, but it's hyperbole. Like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Nevertheless, like, still a large number, even if it was, say, 100,000, yeah. like, for them to come and to invade. So, um, but the Persians were smart and they didn't want to fight unless they had to. And they had, again, a great force, um, which was, I think, is more of a, like a warning and a scare tactic yeah. than, than actually there to. Like, I think they were there to do battle, but... They were there more to intimidate. Yeah, easier to intimidate with a lot of people. Um, so Xerxes, what he would do when he came um, over the Hellespont is he would send a messenger to each of the city-states saying that if they would provide food and water to the emissary and submit to the rule of Xerxes, their land would not be attacked. Mm, so Okay. We're not going to attack you. You just have to, you know. You have just, to submit to we us. We rule you now, basically. Yeah. Look at all these people yeah. that are here, ready we're, to fight. Yeah, we're obviously going to yeah. take over, so but, just do it. This way is easy. Okay. So, but they weren't necessarily fighters. 
Not necessarily all of them, but a good, but a good chunk were definitely, yeah. Oh, wow. And so some places did agree to this. Um, obviously not wanting to go to war, mm-hmm. um, but others like Sparta were very much the against the idea of subjugation, especially by a foreign ruler. They did not like foreigners at all, and foreigner is basically just anyone that was non-Greek, so a non-Greek speaker or someone of that culture. They didn't have borders like we do now in the sense of you know they weren't really they weren't a unified country Mm -hmm. but they did have a unified culture so they were very xenophobic yes (laughs) oh yes (laughs) they they definitely only trusted their own Mm -hmm. definitely um so yes like i said the spartans were one of those who declined the offer um, but because it w- was at a weird time of the year, so there was a festival that was about to start, um, and in Greece they um, couldn't, de- part of you know religious festivals is that you could be at war or declare war on anyone during this festival. You could or could, 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 oh, you not, could not during okay. any festival. Oh. Um, it was just one. They actually did have a lot. They did fight a lot amongst each other and with mm-hmm. others, but they did have like a clear set of rules of what they could and couldn't do, and okay. one, this is one of those rules. But do the foreigners know that? Um, I don't know. Like, they were there for a long time. Like, it oh, takes okay. time to kind of... There's a lot of mountains, and it's not... War takes a long easy, time. Yeah. And with that many people, too, you can't really go around really quickly and easily, right? Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, they had... Basically, the Spartans had to wait. If they wanted to declare war, they had to wait until the festival was over. Right. Um. But one of the kings of Sparta, Leonidas, did not want to wait until after the festival, and he wanted to attack right away. So, um, he was one of the 300 Spartiates, which, um, a Spartiate is basically a, a adult male full Spartan citizen. Yeah. Um, which may, 300 may seem like a lot, but at this time there are about 6,000 Spartiates in Sparta. So okay. this is, so this really is a very a small, small amount. Yeah. yeah. Um, of their force. Um, to do, and as well as about another 700 or so sh- soldiers from the surrounding areas. I think, um, I should look at, I think from Thebes, the Thebans, and possibly from Messenia, some Helots, and mm-hmm. that sort of thing, went with them to, to kind of head off the Persians, who were en route to Athens, and they were going, um, they wanted to meet them at a place called Thermopylae. So what I like about, or what I find interesting about the movie 300 is that they refer to this place as the Hot Gates, <laughs> which literally is what thermo, like, ther, if you think thermo, yeah. thermos, thermometer, it's it means hot, hot yeah. and um, Palai is a, like a gate. Um, a gate. <laughs> so, so they call it the Hot Gate, and yeah. it's called Thermopylae. Yeah. Thermopylae. Yeah, that so is I like funny. It a yeah. lot they kind of did I, that. I guess it has like extra meaning to someone who knows classics. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, I see what you did there. Exactly, <laughs> that's just it. You're like, oh, like why are they calling it these things or whatever? And it's like, oh, that's why. It's I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's like a like, little Easter egg for us nerds. <laughs> an, an Easter egg for for someone who who loves what it means, yeah. what it represents. Yeah, Easter egg for those in ancient Greek. Um, so yeah, so the, the reason they wanted to go here is because the landscape, because of the landscape, uh, the for- Persian forces would be forced to kind of funnel in so that they wouldn't have to fight everyone at once. 
mm-hmm. regardless of whether they did have a million or a hundred thousand, any number of that magnitude against three hundred or even a thousand people, like it's going to be quite difficult. So they definitely want to use the landscape to their advantage. Um, advantage. Yeah, of course, exactly. Um, so they do begin fighting, and they actually do remar- remarkably re- bleh, 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 remarkably bleh. <laughs> end of the day remarkably yeah. well, considering the difference in the amount of forces. Um, they really should have been obliterated quite quickly, but yeah, because there was three hundred of them versus a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. So, but because you know they were the Spartans were warriors. That was they're very their mi- culture. militaristic culture. That's what they live for. That's what their entire they're like, they're like Klingons from Star Trek. I don't know enough about the Klingons to say Klingons are all warrior people, and they believe that the only way to get to their heaven is to die in battle. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so pretty close. Uh, did I mention I'm a sci-fi nerd? <laughs> <laughs> I am a fantasy nerd, so I yeah. do not. <laughs> Talk to me about Middle Earth and all. I'm good. Not yeah, Star Wars. Not Star, Star Trek. Trek. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. So their whole society was structured in a way basically to make them the best and the way that, and to be the as good as they were. Right. Um, so they were able to hold off the Persians for a few days um, unfortunately, until one of the locals, a shepherd, showed the Persians that there was a secret pass that they could use to get around the Spartans and attack them from both sides. So mm-hmm. in the movie 300, um, they showed this guy, um, but he's pretty different. He was very, um, he was quite disfigured. Mm-hmm. And um, this was not the case in reality. His motivation was really different in the movie. Um, basically, I think in the movie, he wanted to be a part of the army, but because of the way that he was, um, they wouldn't let him. They wouldn't let him. And so then he went to the Persians and to Xerxes and so I'm going to help you guys instead. Okay. But, but in, in the actual story. But in the actual story, um, he was just, again, a shepherd who showed showed them the way to get around because, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of people he was intimidated yeah not just not not just intimidated but again if to think about resources and food they're basically pillaging and taking things wherever they were because they had to in order to feed everyone that's with them so this guy's kind of like i need you to move along now (laughs) like i need you guys to go so it had nothing to do with the war he just he was thinking he was looking out for him kind of yeah. yeah it's like i need i need you gone um, so again, this is kind of where I think the nine of wands comes in because they were resilient and kept their defenses strong mm-hmm. until the bitter end. Um, yeah, they just kept going, even though it seemed like the odds were completely against completely them. Completely against them. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately these soldiers were defeated, including King Leonidas. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hesiod tells us that after the Persians, um, were defeated at the Battle of Salamis and left Greece for good. There was an epitaph that was left to commemorate the fallen soldiers right. at Thermopylae. And more recently, apparently in 1955, a bronze monument of Leonidas was erected with an inscription that says, come and take them. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I just got shivers. Yeah. That's crazy. 1955. Mm-hmm. And, and it's still an epic story full of glory. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like every one of those soldiers became... Um, glorified for all time definitely in a way yeah uh for their mm-hmm. their battle that is definitely nine of wands this idea that glory is just just a little bit further mm-hmm. um if you keep pushing through but yeah and i mean again like for them they didn't um live but <laughs> yeah it's not to say that glory is not the same as victory 
Yeah, and they did have a very good defense, and yeah. Uh, well, sorry. They, they fought to the last man. Exactly. And, Basically. oh yeah, another quote here, actually from the American Terror Association. It says, in times of great difficulty and stress, this card shows that you will always have the strength to endure if you search for it deep inside yourself. Yes. So if you find yourself in this sort of situation, I would say maybe to think of the Spartans and their dedication and willpower to stand up against completely enormous in, odds, insurmountable yeah. forces. Um, again, they unfortunately did not win this battle, but the Greeks did overall um, end up winning in the end. So, And they probably had something to do with that. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, losing the battle but winning the war. Okay, yeah. Right? You don't, you don't necessarily win every battle, but you, you, that doesn't mean that you've lost the war. Yeah. Exactly. So keep going. Keep staying strong. That's kind of what I feel like I get from the Nine of Wands now. Definitely. That is definitely um, what the Nine of Wands is trying to tell us. Mm-hmm. Um, it also, like, it, it shows up when you've already been through a lot, too. And it shows up to say, it's not over yet, <laughs> but keep going. Yeah. It's kind of like a cheerleader card in a way. It's like, hey, I know it's really hard. And it might still be hard and for it's a still, bit. And it might but... still be hard, but you're going to make it. Yeah. Um, well, unless you're a Spartan. But... Well, so a lot <laughs> of them did make it, just not those ones. Just not those ones. Yeah. The other ones. Yeah. Well, they made it uh, They made it in a way um, in glory, right? Which mm. was really important to mm-hmm. them, if I understand it correctly. That glory was something worth dying for. Uh, yeah, I would say honor. Honor even was something more. Like honor. they were attain, they would attain glory in honor. In yeah, yeah. Like oh well, yeah, and glory too. I guess Kleos and Tima. Yeah, yeah. How are uh, how are our values change? <laughs> I don't know if I would be willing to die for it. <laughs> no, but there are still a lot of people that join the army and that are willing to die for their country. That's okay. That's that's very true. But I don't know if it's it's not necessarily they're dying for for honor. They're dying to protect right mm-hmm, which like they they could arguably be too because if they weren't there the persians could just take over and take over and their take land their and women and their everything everything right? else so, yeah so I mean, they were protecting their country all right yeah so there's definitely a, there i would agree with that there's a big honor in protecting your country as well yeah and um so that, there. that is the yeah. end of this episode yes thank you oh as always so so much for listening we really mm-hmm. appreciate you guys um and yeah if you want to get in touch with us you know the ways it'll be on in the show notes we are on facebook and instagram our email is there too um yeah let us know what you think Mm -hmm. it's awesome hearing from you guys on facebook i'm loving the community yeah we are nearing the end so i did post on there to ask you guys if there are any myths in particular that you'd like us to go over if i could make it work please let me know i do have some ideas for the rest but we have some ideas of what to do afterwards Mm -hmm. as well yes and we will we are teasing but we will let you guys know yeah of course um our words of wisdom today come from martin luther king jr which i thought was appropriate for the nine of wands he says if you can't fly then run if you can't run then walk if you can't walk then crawl but whatever you do you have to keep moving forward Myth and tarot. Where do the
reindeers go Let's talk about stories, wands, and symbols And all of the above Myth, terror, love 